And today I have the privilege of opening up our brand new sermon series that we are calling Divine Interruptions. Divine Interruptions. Now, if that's not a phrase you've heard before, if it's not one you're familiar with, that's okay. I'm going to define it for you here in just a second. And we're going to spend the next six weeks learning how we are to better understand but respond to these divine interruptions in our lives. But let me start just by defining what a divine uh, interruption really is. A divine interruption is when God steps into your life with a divine invitation to a better way of living. When God steps into your life to invite you into the more that he created you for. And when you hear it that way, it sounds really, really great, doesn't it? Sounds like that timeshare presentation. What could go wrong with this, right? But... The thing about divine invitations is they always come with a divine disruption to our lives, right? Divine invitations come with that divine disruption in our lives. Let me explain to you what I mean. Let me help paint the picture for these divine interruptions by sharing with you the story of my own divine interruption. It happened just over five years ago. Just over five years ago, I was living a pretty comfortable life in sunny Southern California, I had a good marketing job, it paid really well, and I lived in a place that most people consider to be paradise, right? A place where heat and humidity and freezes, they don't exist, right? A place where one burger chain reigns supreme. Where are my In-N-Out lovers at this morning? All right, all right. And this comfortable life that I was leading, it was on an upward trajectory. It was going up and to the right. Everything was clicking. We just had our second child. I was about to take a a nice leap in my career, and then God stepped in. He interrupted and disrupted everything. He took every single plan that I had for my life, that nice list that I had curated, had spent so much time building, and he tossed it all aside. He called me out of my comfort zone. He completely derailed my career. He called me away from my family and friends, all to send me to the one place I told him I would never go. To Texas, right? The place where there is heat and there is humidity and there are freezes and there are tornadoes and every natural disaster known to man, including Whataburger. Whataburger! (laughs) I I might get in trouble for that one, but that's okay. I stand by it. But not only did God call me to the one place I told him I would never go, he would eventually call me to do the one thing I told him I would never do. That's to pastor. Don't get me wrong, I loved Jesus then just like I love him now, but growing up as a pastor's kid, this job wasn't exactly on my dream job list. But here's the thing, as I look back now, five years later, my life is far, far different than what I could have ever imagined, what I ever could have dreamed of. But it is so much better, family, than anything I could have asked for or imagined. And I know that none of that would have been possible if it weren't for the divine interruption. None of that would have been possible if God didn't step in and divinely disrupt my life, offering me an invitation that would change everything. So listen, family, I know that there are some of you here this morning that are real comfortable with your life the way that it is right now. I know that there are some of you here this morning who have all of your plans laid out for the rest of your life. And if that's you, then my guess is you do not want an interruption right now. But I can tell you that's exactly what you need. A divine interruption to take you out of your comfort zone. 
to pull you away from the plans that you have for your life and to call you into the things that God has prepared for you. I truly believe that God has a divine interruption and a divine invitation in store for some of you. The question is, are you willing and are you ready to be interrupted? Are you willing to allow God to disrupt your life so that you might find out what that more is that he created you for? And I cannot wait to see how God uses this sermon series and uses this message. But if you would, let's just bow our heads one more time in a word of prayer and ask him to guide us this morning. Father, we bow before you this morning, Lord, with humble hearts. We are ready to hear from you. So would you use this time, Lord? Would you speak to us through your word? Would you bring about the interruptions and the disruptions that we need so that we might be open to the invitations that you have prepared for us? We trust you, Lord. We pray all these things in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we get ready for this series, uh, for the next several weeks, we're going to be spending time looking at stories in the life of Jesus that carry this theme of divine interruption. And in this morning's passage, we're going to see more specifically how Jesus interrupts people's comfortable, ordinary lives with an incredible invitation. So if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, you can go ahead and pull those out now. We are going to be in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 5, where we find Jesus in Luke chapter 5 is really just starting his ministry. He's at the very outset, and he is about to interrupt the lives of four unsuspecting fishermen. So join me, if you would, in Luke 5, beginning in verse 1. Luke tells us that on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he, that's Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked them to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So what we see in this scene, right, when we look beyond the miracle, beyond the huge catch of fish are the very same things we see in every divine interruption. Jesus disrupts their plans, and he invites them into a better way of living. He interrupts, he disrupts, and he invites. It's the same thing we see in every story of divine interruption. You guys just heard it in my own story. You've probably seen it in your own life. Every story in this book, it's the same thing. Interruption, disruption, invitation. See, these four unsuspecting fishermen, I'm talking about Simon, Andrew, James, and John, they were really just trying to finish up their work and go home. Right At this point, they're just tired. They hadn't caught anything all night. The last thing they're wanting is an interruption. 
and here comes Jesus, right? Here comes Jesus with that interruption, the disruption, and a life-changing invitation. And the reason why this story is so important to us isn't because this invitation would change the course of history, which it did. The reason why this story is so important to us is because these four fishermen, Jesus' first four disciples, they're meant to represent you and me. They're a template, if you will, that we are to follow in our response to the interruption, disruption, and invitation of Jesus. So as we look closer now to the example of Simon, the disciple we've come to know as Peter, I want to encourage you to consider how Jesus might be working in similar ways in your own life today. So let's dive in. If you're taking notes this morning, I'd encourage you to write these things down. There's three things we see Jesus do in this story, three things that we've just talked about. And there's three ways that we're called to respond. So the first thing we witness Jesus doing is interrupting the life of Simon. And the response we see from Simon is that he responds by serving. So Jesus interrupts and Simon responds by serving. But here's the thing, both Jesus' request to serve and the act of service are so small you probably miss it. So look back with me real quick at verse number three. After Jesus climbed into Simon's boat, he asked him to put out a little from the land. That's it. That's all he asks Simon to do. Just push the boat out. And I know it might seem like a small ask, but in this one moment, we see Simon for the very first time serving Jesus. He gives him just a little bit of his time, just a little bit of his talent, just a little bit of his treasure in order that Jesus' message might be heard. Now, of course, we know that a day was coming when Jesus would ask for far greater service, far greater sacrifice from Simon. But in this one present moment, all he asks for is all that Simon has. It's his boat. And the truth is that no matter where you're at in your relationship with Jesus, when he interrupts your life and when he calls you to serve, all he's going to ask for is all that you have. So you may not be a talented musician. You may not have a seminary degree. You may not be as, as jovial and as kind as, as Don Bentley, but that doesn't matter because each of you has a boat. Each of you has something that God has already given you that you can use so that Jesus' message might be heard. The question is, what is your boat? What is it that you have that Jesus wants to use for his glory? See, for most of us, like Simon, it just starts by giving just a little bit of our time a little bit of our talent, a little bit of our treasure. But Jesus doesn't stop there. In fact, if you looked at every one of his disciples, the thing that they were doing when he called them, he's going to use in his ministry. Right? Peter was a fisher, and he becomes a fisher of men. Look at every single disciple. Jesus uses what he had already given them. Right? Don't forget that the one that's calling you is the same one who created you. Those gifts that he has given you were not put there by accident. They were put there for a reason. What's your boat? What's Jesus calling you to give in service to him? And I want you to be like, you know, nod your head, be like, yeah, that's good, that's good. No, write that question down. What is my boat? And then pray over that this week. But don't stop there. Because it's not enough to know what your boat is. You have to be willing, just like Simon, to allow Jesus to use it. I think this is where a lot of us get held up, to be honest. So I think a lot of us know what our boat is, or maybe we just know what it isn't. But regardless, we probably know what it is, but we still hesitate to give it. And there's probably a number of reasons why we do this. 
I might call them reasons, you might call them excuses, but whatever. There's probably a lot of reasons why we hesitate. But I think it can all be brought back to one of two things. Either we're selfish or we're scared. I'm just going to call it like it is. Either we're selfish or we're scared. Why else would we hold back from allowing Jesus to use what we already have? Think about it for a minute. The only reasons why Simon would have hesitated or held back from giving Jesus his boat, from pushing it out a little, were either greed, he didn't want to share, or he was scared of what would happen if he listened. Imagine how his life would have been different if Simon hesitated. Imagine the things he would have missed out on if he held back. Family, don't let greed, don't let fear hold you back from the things that God has prepared for you in this life. Because the same one who is calling you is the one who created you. Don't hoard the gifts that he's given you. He's given them to you for a reason. And here's the thing. If you're scared about what might happen, I'll tell you the absolute worst thing that can happen. You want to know what the absolute worst thing that can happen is if you step out and push that boat out a little? The absolute worst thing that can happen is that his power would be made perfect through your weakness. That's the worst thing that can happen. That's the worst thing that can happen, that his glory would shine through your shortcomings. Is that really such a bad thing? I'm just being honest. And listen, I know you might be hearing these things, and maybe God's even putting something on your heart. Maybe he's revealing to you what that boat is. If you're still unable and uneasy about it, that's probably a good thing. Don't feel shame over that. Let that be the affirmation that you need, that it's actually God who's calling you. Because he doesn't often call us to do the things that we can do on our own. He calls us to do the things that require us to rely on him. So don't hesitate, family. Don't hold back. Just push your boat out. Now, I don't want to move on from this point before giving you a practical next step to take here. Because me and the rest of your pastors, we don't want to just be the people on the shore encouraging you to push your boat out. We want to be in the water with you. So let me encourage you, if you don't know what that boat is, or if you don't know how to use it, come find one of us. We're going to be talking over the next few weeks about how we can better partner together in seeing you use those things for God's glory. But don't wait. Come find us. We would love to get you better connected, get you serving in an area where you can be pushing out your boat so that Jesus' message might be heard. Even if you're on one of our volunteer teams already, don't just say that you've checked that box. God may have more in store for you here. I believe that he does. Embrace the divine interruption this morning. Embrace that divine interruption. Respond by serving, just like Simon. Use the boat that he's given you, and you will find out that just like our boy Simon Peter here, your life will never be the same. I can also promise you that once you answer that call, there's one thing that Jesus is going to do. It's the same thing he does here for Simon. He calls him deeper. So the next thing we see Jesus do is disrupt the life of Simon. So after he interrupts Simon, and Simon responds by serving, we see him disrupt Simon, and Simon responds by trusting. Look back with me at verses 4 and 5 quickly. I'll show you what I mean. And when he, that's Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Now, I want you to realize how ridiculous this scene is, okay? Like, look at it from a very practical standpoint. We have Jesus, who is a carpenter, telling the seasoned fishermen how to fish. It's kind of ridiculous, right? They already fished all night and they have caught nothing. 
And now Jesus is telling them to fish in an unlikely time and an unlikely place. And even Simon can see that. He's like, bro, like, you don't really know what you're talking about. I do this for a living. How are you going to come in here and tell me how to fish? Peak fishing time is over. I don't even think Simon's on a boat right now. Right? Jesus is on the boat. This is a ridiculous, ridiculous scene. But even still, Jesus calls Simon deeper. And the same can be said for our lives too. Because what happens is when Jesus interrupts our lives, when he disrupts our plans, it rarely, if ever, makes any sense. And we stand there like Simon being like, this is my life. I think I know how to live it. How are you going to tell me what I need to do? But even still, he calls us deeper. He calls us to take another step closer to him, to do the things that we don't want to do, to go to the places that we don't want to go, and to let down our nets in that display of trust. But here's the thing, what happens so often when Jesus calls us to do something like that, when it doesn't make any sense, what do we do? We resist it. We resist it because we don't understand it. But I need you to hear this. Jesus isn't calling you to understand. He's calling you to obey. Just because you don't understand what he's calling you to do is not reason to resist it. He's asking for your obedience to trust what his word says in Isaiah 55, verse 9, that his ways are higher than our ways. They're higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Trust in that and let that lead to obedience. Let that lead to trust. Let that lead you deeper, even and especially when it doesn't make any sense. Because here's the thing I want you to wrestle with this morning. Here's some good truth for you. When it comes to the call of Jesus in our lives, the details are always delayed, right? Anybody ever been called by Jesus and realized that he doesn't give you any of the details? That's what he does with Simon here. He never gives him the full picture. He tells him to push the boat out. He doesn't tell him what's gonna happen next. He tells him to let the nets down. He doesn't guarantee a big catch. And even when he invites him to leave behind everything, he leaves out what's coming. He leaves it out and he just calls him to trust. The details are always delayed. That's why the disruption of Jesus is always followed by a call to trust. The same is true for us, isn't it? Jesus rarely, if ever, reveals the path he's going to take us on. And while that is incredibly, incredibly frustrating, there is such great grace that lies in delayed details. Let me explain to you what I mean. Let's say that instead of Jesus asking Simon to push the boat out a little. Let's say he said, hey, Simon, why don't you come and build my church? Let's say that instead of Jesus asking Simon to let down his nets, he said, hey, Simon, why don't you come and preach to 3,000 people? Do you think that Simon would have followed that call? Or do you think he would have turned around and walked the other way? I don't know about Simon, but I know about me. And if I knew what Jesus was eventually calling me to do, I would have never left California. I'm just being real. I would have never left. But there is great grace in those delayed details. There is such great grace. Because had he never interrupted me, had he never disrupted my plans or given me this invitation, I would have never experienced all of the things that I have experienced since. There is great grace in delayed details I think this, sometimes God knows exactly how hard it is for us to believe the things that he has in store for us. 
And so he has to delay the details. He knows how hard it would be for us to believe just how good life can be. And so he just calls us to take that next faithful step forward. So if you're here this morning and you find yourself frustrated at the lack of clarity in your life, if that's you, then know that there is great grace in the delayed details. You don't have to know where you're going. All you need to know is who you are with. Are you trusting Jesus with his plan for your life? Are you taking that next faithful step forward? Are you going out deeper into the water? And are you trusting that the one who designed you will be faithful to guide you along the way? Because what we see here in the example of Simon is that Jesus isn't going to stop there with the disruption. He has so much more in store for Simon, just like he has in store for you and for me. That's why he follows this interruption and this disruption with an invitation. That's the third thing we see Jesus do. He invites. Look back with me one more time at verses 10 and 11. We see Jesus say to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And Luke goes on to detail for us how Simon and the others respond, saying that they left behind everything to follow Jesus. See, Jesus' invitation wasn't just for these guys to leave their post for a little while. It wasn't for them to, to start a new career. It wasn't even for them to go back to school to study the Torah. This wasn't a simple request that Jesus was making. This was a radical invitation that required them to leave behind everything. Their family, their friends, their livelihood, their security, their identity, all of it in order to follow him. And listen, family, it is crucial that we understand how big of an ask this is. Because if we don't, then what it does is it waters down the sacrifice that Jesus was calling them to make. And in turn, then it waters down the sacrifice that you and I are called to make as well. This was a huge, huge deal. And the truth is that it still is today. Because in over 2,000 years, not a single thing has changed about the invitation to follow Jesus. Not a single thing. Sure, some people's interpretations of the call may vary or may shift. But the call of Christ in our lives has always been and will always be to come and die. To come and to die. To leave behind the life that you thought you would live in order to pursue Jesus no matter what it costs you. So yes, Simon may have been able to answer that call to serve with his boat. He may have been able to answer the call to trust with his net, but the call to follow would cost him far more than that. The call to follow would cost him his life. And what we see with Simon, both in his immediate response at that boat and in the life that he would live, is that he had counted that cost and he had declared Jesus to be worthy of it all. So what about you? Is Jesus worthy of your life? Because his words make it clear that that's what it's going to cost you. Not just your boat, not just your net, not just your service or your trust, but everything. Look at his words yourself. Just got three examples here. In Luke 9, 24, Jesus says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And in 14, 27, he says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And lastly, in Luke 14, 33, he says that any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So you can try to water it down all you want. 
You try to claim that this is figurative language if you want, but the call is clear. Jesus is asking that you be ready and willing to leave everything to follow him. That you be willing and ready to leave and to lose everything. There is no half in. There is no half out. Guys, the call to follow Jesus is an all-in commitment. That's why it's our desire here at Awaken to see you living fully engaged lives with Jesus. Not to just give him your spare evenings or a couple of Sundays a month, but to give him your first and your best to center your lives around him because that's what he deserves. He deserves all of you. This is why I'm convinced that some of us are in desperate need of a divine interruption. Because just like the people in Jesus' day, we've come to associate Christ with comfort. So what happens is we go to him when we need our bellies filled. We go to him when we have sicknesses that need to be healed. But we turn around and we walk away when the call to follow him requires something more of us. But here's what I need you to wrestle with today, family, that Jesus didn't come to comfort. He came to confront. It's the Holy Spirit's role to comfort. Jesus came to confront. That's why he said he came to, not to bring peace, but a sword. That's why his invitation isn't to take up your memory foam mattress, it's to take up your cross to follow him. And here's why this is important for you to understand. I want you to pay attention to this. Because if we're confused about why Jesus came, we're going to be confused about why we should follow him. We'll begin to associate Christ with comfort. And what happens when we do that is we begin to assume that every challenge, every conflict that comes our way is a result of Satan working in our lives. When the reality is, it could be God that's behind that challenge. It could be God that's working through that conflict. Are you guys following with me this morning? Because the truth is that Satan, our adversary, he wants us comfortable. He wants us sleepwalking through life. It's Jesus who came to wake us up. It's Jesus who came to wake us up, to call us out of our comfort zone so that he might lead us into the life that he has prepared for us to live. Listen, I know this can be a challenging word, but we've all heard plenty of sugar-coated Christianity. To be honest, I'm done with it. The call to follow Jesus, it's hard. It requires so much of us. But family, he is so worthy of it all. We're not guaranteed comfort, convenience, consistency, none of it. But what we are guaranteed, the good news, is an inheritance beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. I want you to listen to these words out of 1 Peter, these words from the same sinful fisherman that answered that call. As I invite the band back up, would you look with me at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. This is Peter saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
So yes, choosing to follow Jesus means choosing the cross over comfort. But look at what is promised to us. An imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance. More than we could ever ask. More than we can ever imagine. If we are willing to leave and to lose this life, we receive salvation and eternity with Jesus. Are you willing to welcome the divine interruption of Jesus this morning? Are you ready for him to disrupt your plans, to shake up your routines? Are you ready to pursue Christ and to forsake comfort? That's what it's going to take. Letting go of all the things that you have prepared for your life, letting go of all those things you hold dearest to pursue him to follow him, to imitate him, to learn to live and think and love like he does. There's a chance that it might cost you everything, but the good news is that Jesus is worthy of all of it. Listen to his words, Matthew 13, 44. Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So a man sees and sells everything that he has, everything he has to get that treasure. In other words, all of the so-called losses, all of the so-called costs, they are nothing compared to the gain of having Jesus, the greatest treasure for all of eternity. I want you to look back one more time at that same verse. Jesus inserts one word here that just rocked me. He says, that when the man discovered the treasure, he went with what? With joy to sell everything that he had in order that he might buy that field. The loss of everything is not a sad moment if it means that you gain Christ. So the divine interruption, the divine disruptions are not to be avoided. They are to be welcomed and they are to be embraced because even if they result in you losing everything, you will have gained Christ. And family, that is cause for such great joy. I believe Jesus may be stepping into your life this morning to interrupt what you've been doing, to disrupt the plans you have made for your life and to extend to you an eternity-shaping invitation. The only question is, how will you respond? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you a chance to respond. I don't know what that might look like for you this morning. I don't know how Jesus might be calling you, what he might be calling you to. But I do know that the first step is to respond just like Simon Peter does, by falling to your knees in a posture of surrender. So if that's you this morning, if you are ready and willing to embrace the interruption, if you're ready to take on that disruption, and to say yes to that invitation. I want you to respond just like Simon Peter did. If you're comfortable, just fall to your knees, even right now as we get ready to pray and worship together. Let your outward posture be a display of what's going on inside your heart. Would you live your life and surrender to the one who deserves all of you? Jesus, you are worthy of everything.
So from here on out, Jesus, our answer to you is yes. Whatever you may be calling us to, whatever you may be pulling us away from, we're ready to follow. Would you give us that courage to push our boat out? Would you give us the strength we need to let down our nets? And would you give us the grace required to follow you? Oh, Jesus, we love you. Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Pray this in your holy name.